ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to set your faith ablaze so that you might live the adventure that comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Before we get into today's topic, we want you to know that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode, or if you have ideas for future episodes, please contact us. The easiest way to do that is by email. The address is ignition at sfcatholic.org. Again, ignition at s as in sue. F is in Falls, Catholic.org. Today I'm joined in studio by Monsignor Charles Mangan. Welcome, Monsignor Mangan. Hello, Dr. Bergwald. Good to have you here, and we'll introduce ourselves in a moment to our listeners. But if you're, if you're tuning in to today's episode, we're going to be talking today about the role and importance of a diocesan bishop here in the Diocese of Sioux Falls. If you're listening to this live-ish, um, when it's released on radio and by podcast, we're days away, actually, from the ordination mass of our next bishop. Um, we, right now, Bishop-elect Donald DeGrood, um, soon to be Bishop Donald DeGrood of the Diocese of Sioux Falls. But I know that um, other diocese in our area are awaiting or will soon be awaiting a new bishop. Rapid City here in South Dakota, uh, Duluth in Minnesota, um, in St. Cloud, the priest son of our diocese, Monsignor um, Bishop Kettler, uh, has reached retirement age, so they are, they're awaiting appointment any day. So, so, so today, if you're wondering, what exactly do we have a bishop for? I think most people are familiar with our parish priests, but what exactly is the role of the diocesan bishop? That's what we'll be talking about today on Ignition. If you've never tuned in before, my name is Chris Bergwald. I'm the director of adult discipleship and evangelization with the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Been in that role since 2002. Um, married to Germaine since 1999, so um, 20 plus years at this point. We have five kids. Um, I originally from the central Minnesota area. My wife's from Ohio, but all five of our kids are born and raised in eastern South Dakota. So, Monsignor Mangan, in case somebody hasn't um, had the pleasure of hearing you before on the radio or my podcast, would you mind introducing yourself? Yes, Dr. Bergwald, I'd be happy to. I'm Monsignor Charles Mangan. I'm a priest of the Diocese of Sioux Falls. I was raised in Aberdeen, uh, one of uh, six children, second of six uh, members at Sacred Heart Parish there. And have been a priest now since 1989, so a little more than 30 years. Uh, what a joy to be able to be part of the diocese. Uh, currently, I have been involved with the Office of the Marian Apostolate, so meaning that we proclaim the goodness of Christ through Mary, his mother, and encourage the people of God to come to know Mary in a deeper way. Also, I do some things with canon law, the church's law. And finally, I've worked with Consecrated Life, mm -hmm. uh, those communities which are involved in the profession of poverty, chastity, and obedience. And I'm also one of the Missionaries of Mercy, which Pope Francis established for the Jubilee Year of Mercy in 2016. So I'm very blessed and so grateful to be with you today. Great. Happy to have you, Monsignor. Before we get into our topic, I always like, I've had you on Ignition before, but I don't think I've asked you um, on the show. I'd like to ask priests, especially, so you're, you've been ordained for 30 plus years at this point. What's been the greatest joy of, of the Catholic priesthood for you, having, having been ordained for, again, over 30 years at this point? What comes to mind? What comes to mind would be really the proclamation of Christ uh, to the people um, and especially by way of the sacraments, celebrating mm. the sacraments. Uh, also a great joy is to be able to teach about Mary, the mother of God, 
uh, I would consider those to be tremendous joys. Great, great. Thank you. So, so Monsignor, when you think about um, the role, the importance of a diocesan bishop, when you might teach on this to to Catholics and, and, and others, uh, what comes to your mind first and foremost? What comes to my mind is what we say about a bishop himself. We say the word bishop from the Greek is an overseer. Mm-hmm. So it's somebody who you can, you know, using the common phrase in the vernacular today, uh, it's somebody who has a lot coming at him, yeah. A, yeah. a lot of things to do, a lot of balls in the air. Um, and uh, he's not responsible for the carrying out of each of those things. He's the one who oversees the carrying out. And he then relies upon the priests, the deacons, the consecrated, and laity to help him do that. Now, that would be bishop himself, and that could be a bishop who's not even, say, a bishop of a diocese. Sure. That could be, say, one of the bishops in Rome who's working in the Vatican. When it comes to a diocesan bishop, we would say that this bishop has been entrusted by the pope with a particular section of the Church of God, the mm-hmm. Church of Christ. Um, And so we think of a bishop as being priest, prophet, and king after the example of Christ. A priest, the sanctifier, a prophet, someone who teaches, and a king would be someone who governs. So a diocesan bishop is responsible for the priestly and prophetic works in the diocese with this notion that he also has a special charism of governing the diocese. Mm -hmm. So the parishes that are located in a geographical area, which we call the diocese, look to the diocesan bishop for prayer, for inspiration, for guidance. And I think this is really what the diocesan bishop is about. It's bringing Christ to the people of a particular geographical area that would be parishes united together under the bishop, priest, prophet, and king in a particular diocese. Thank you for that, Monsignor. As you're talking there, especially the, the, the diocesan bishop is appointed for a particular area. I'm reminding there of, to me, the, the really um, interesting language, interesting because it's not our ordinary sense of things, that, that the church uses to speak about what is a particular church. Or the local church. I think for most of us, if so, I the, the parish that I attend is St. Lambert's on the eastern side of Sioux Falls. So if, most of my fellow parishioners, you know, what, what's your what's your local church? They probably say, well, St. Lambert's. But in fact, the church says in in her teaching on on herself on the church that the particular church, the local church, is actually the diocesan church. <laughs> so for for us in our diocese, that's pretty much eastern South Dakota. The the the, the portion of South Dakota east of the Missouri River is the Diocese of Sioux Falls, and the church speaks about a diocese as the local or particular church, not the parish. So there, there is, a, uh, in a sense, a primacy to the diocesan church. Yes, and perhaps here, Dr. Bergwell, we could be reminded that a particular parish is always going to be limping along or not complete unless that parish has visible, as a visible connection with the local bishop. Right. So, you know, if you say St. Lambert's in Sioux Falls is a particular parish, how St. Lambert's is completed and fulfilled is by way of its connection to the pastor of the diocese, who is the bishop. Who's the bishop. Right. 
So in a sense, I mean, you know, my pastor currently is Father Sean Haggerty. He's the pastor of St. Lawrence. <laughs> but yet in a, in a deeper sense, maybe a truer sense, if you will, my pastor right now as a, well, technically this is the, the canonist and you can correct this. <laughs> bishop Swain, as we're recording, this is our apostolic administrator. So he's no longer the, he's not the, actually the bishop uh, of the diocese he, right true. now. True. He, he's not the diocesan <clears throat> bishop any longer, though, of course, he remains a bishop and he, he is the uh, has been the bishop diocesan bishop of Sioux Falls, right? But in this interregnum, which sometimes called it's the period between one um, leadership and another, uh, we have a case where now we have an apostolic administrator, right. meaning that the Holy See has appointed Bishop Swain to be the apostolic administrator of our diocese right. until such time as Bishop Elect de Grude is. Uh, Ordained. Ordained. So, so Bishop Swain has been, uh, until just recently, our pastor in, in the yes. truth. As you were going through how, you know, this is true, of course, for every priest, including yourself, but particularly for the bishop, as you noted, for a bishop, they are priest, prophet, and king. Um, this this Saturday, uh, February 15th, um, I'll be in, at St. Thomas More in Brookings talking about the role and importance of a diocesan bishop. Um, and and, and the, the title I decided to give is High Priest of the Land. Because the, pre, the, the the bishop is the high priest of the diocese. Yes. Um, the other thing that's a prophet and teaching and so on, um, the church documents speak, the, the, the primary catechist of the diocese is the bishop. Again, when you think of catechists, most of us think of our religious ed teachers, yes. most of the vast majority of whom obviously are volunteers who do the, the, the good work of handing on the faith to children and, and youth and adults. Um, they are catechists, but the first, the primary catechist in a diocese is the bishop. Yes, because it is his charism, his function to proclaim the gospel to all people of the diocese, not just Catholics, but to all persons in the diocese. Right, right. So I think that, that that right there, I think, is another fascinating point to talk about, and we'll, we'll we'll do that in just a moment. But if you're just tuning in, you're listening to uh, Ignition. This is a broadcast of the New Evangelization. I'm Dr. Chris Bergwald, your host, and I'm visiting t- today with Monsignor Charles Mingan of the Diocese of Sioux Falls about the role and importance of the diocesan bishop. So, Monsignor, you, you were just saying— um, uh, a, bis- a bishop has a responsibility, and th- I think this is true also of the parish pastor. You, we can maybe yes. talk about that too. But um, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Catholic faith in all its f- the faith in all its fullness, to proclaim it to everyone within the territory. In the case of a bishop, territory of his diocese. The case of a pastor within the territory of his parish. Yes, think of what our Lord said before he ascended to his Father. <clears throat> Jesus said, "Go and teach all nations." So all nations, not just Catholic nations, and I think by extension we could say that the diocesan bishop is going to teach not just the Catholics in his diocese, but all those who are in the diocese, whether they uh, live in the diocese, whether they're transients, you know, they're passing through from one diocese to another, uh, it's the bishop who proclaims the gospel of Christ. And this is how Jesus himself worked this out, that... uh, the bishops would be in union with Christ, mm-hmm. uh, in union with the Pope. The Pope, of course, is the successor of St. Peter, the vicar of Christ, uh, the visible representative of Christ on earth. Right. So um, I think, Dr. Bergwald, this really is pointing here to this notion of unity. Yeah, yes. You know, and harmony that we, this is not just my parish and your parish. 
this is togetherness. This is bringing everything together under the one Father in Amen. heaven. Amen. Amen. So, so kind of the, the idea of unity and so on. Another thing we speak about. So, um, the 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 diocesan bishop is bishop for an entire geographic region, um, but he does have a parish, and his parish is the cathedral parish of that diocese or co-cathedral in some cases there's two um so so in our here in the diocese of Sioux falls um soon to be bishop de Grude will be the 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 pastor of the cathedral of saint joseph which is just no, do, next door to the building where you and i are recording this right now so he'll be the so so the, and that's that the church refers to a cathedral parish as the mother parish, the mother church of the diocese and all the other parishes, um, Sacred Heart Aberdeen, where you grew up. That's right. Okay. That's right. St. Lambert's, my parish currently, they're all daughter parishes, daughter churches of the mother church, which is the cathedral. Yes. And it's well said, Dr. Bergwald. And the notion here is that, you know, yes, we have a bishop who is responsible for the entire diocese, but... He has a special relationship with his cathedral mm-hmm. and with those persons who attend the cathedral. Uh, we see this sometimes um, very visibly when we note that many bishops, including Bishop Swain, would have a Sunday mass at the cathedral. And this is encouraged by the church that a bishop, yes, of course, he's going to be on the road for confirmations and other parish visits, but insofar as he is able to celebrate Mass perhaps once a week or as often as possible at the cathedral. Right, right. Again, that mother parish. Okay, so Monsignor, what else comes to mind? We sort of really just um, elaborated on, on on your opening remarks about um, how uh, the governor of a local church, priest, prophet, king. What else comes to your mind when you think about the role of a diocesan bishop or the importance of a diocesan bishop? I think here, Dr. Bergwell, we're thinking here of not just what he does in terms of his office, he's running the uh, diocese, so to speak, but also just in this area of inspiration, mm. um, that there's something about the position of the bishop, which is to edify, inspire, and teach the people of God. Yes, He's celebrating the sacraments. He's making decisions. Who is going to be my new pastor and so on. But just his own life, his prayer life, um, is he a man who loves Christ and the church? Does he spend time in daily prayer in his own reception of the sacraments, not just administering, administering the sacraments, but is he being nourished by the sacraments? And so when I think of diocesan bishop, I think of somebody who is conscious of his role in terms of leading others to the Lord mm. by way of his own witness, right? His own witness. Um, I think this cannot be be stressed enough. And and why is that? What what about that? I think that's beautiful, Monsignor. Honestly, I, I hadn't been thinking along those lines myself. Why you just said that can't be stressed enough? Why not? I think it can't be stressed enough because this is the call from Christ Himself. Uh, Christ called the first bishops the apostles. And we know how Jesus so wanted the apostles to grow in prayer, to grow in love. He, he taught them so many times for three years in his public ministry. He knew that these men, these apostles, the 12 apostles, would become his first bishops, the first bishops of the church. 
And he knew that that old saying, you know, you can't give what you don't have. Mm. Um, and you first have to have something and be rooted in something before you can give. So the importance here, I think, is that a diocesan bishop will not be able to be priest, prophet, and king to the best extent possible unless he himself knows the good shepherd. Amen. You know, unless he himself is a disciple of Christ. Amen. Um, and so I think the notion of edification and inspiration is a very important one. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank, thank you for that. I, I think, too, um, speaking as you were about the apostles, I think one thing that maybe <clears throat> many Catholics aren't aware of or haven't thought about that much, at least, is the fact that it's actually our bishop who is the link not only to the universal church but by by virtue of the fact of his link with the bishop of Rome, the pope, but also the link with the the church universal not throughout not only throughout space but time as well. In other words, the bishops are, as you were saying, the successors of the apostles. Um, the, the, then, so we know there is a lineage of ordination laying out of hands from the very first apostles, the, the the twelve apostles, laid on laid hands on other men, and throughout time over the centuries, last two thousand years, down to our own time, just days from now, as as people might be listening to this live in our diocese. Um, Right now, in a sense, the, the priest, Father Charles, sorry, Don DeGrood, Father Don DeGrood will become Bishop Donald DeGrood. Right. And that linkage goes all the way back to the 12 men chosen deliberately by Jesus Christ to proclaim the gospel to the nations. Absolutely. And I think, Dr. Bergwald, here, uh, it's important for us to remember that we talk about apostolic succession. Right that the bishops we have today are in line going back 2,000 years with the first apostles. Now, the Holy Father, Pope Francis, is in direct descendancy to St. Peter, who, of course, was the first pope. So, with that in mind, we I think we see this again as this is not the treasure today. This is a treasure that's been with us 2,000 years. Um, it's not just something that we make up. Right. Or that we add as we go and, oh, that sounds nice, let's do it this way. We see this as a gift from Christ, which now has to be guarded, explained, treasured. And I think if we can do that, we can better understand what was the Lord trying to teach us right. when he gave us shepherds. Right. You know, perhaps this, we could have done this maybe on our own, or why do I need a shepherd? Why can't I go right to Christ? And we would say, well... The Lord is very aware that the sheep need a shepherd. Mm -hmm. He is, of course, Christ is the preeminent shepherd, but uh, Pope Francis and the bishops and pastors of the church certainly have that role of shepherding, leading to Christ. Amen. Amen. If you're just tuning in, you listen to Ignition, a broadcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, visiting today with Monsignor Charles Mangan of the Diocese of Sioux Falls about the role and importance of the diocesan bishop. So, Monsignor Mangan, we've got about eight minutes or so left. Um, continuing along these lines, I think 
Uh, again, because Catholics day to day, week to week experience, we're exposed mostly to our parish priests, our pastor, maybe a parochial vicar, associate pastor, if if, uh, if our parish happens to have one. Um, and, and, and we see the bishop maybe at a confirmation mass or maybe on TV or whatever. But most of our experience for most of most of us as Catholics is with our, 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 our parish priests. And yet kind of echoing what we're saying, what we were saying earlier, it is the diocesan bishop who is the high priest, uh, the teacher, the governor, if you will, of the diocese. Um, And he is the one, similarly, who has the fullness of holy orders. I think, again, um, we think of maybe permanent deacons, um, priests, but it's bishops who have the fullness of of holy orders. And I think that that that's something that we have to keep in mind too when we're talking about the role and importance of a diocesan bishop. Yes. Uh, what does a bishop have that, say, a priest doesn't have? Well, as you say, it's this idea of the fullness. Mm-hmm. And the church sees the fullness as being connected to ordination in many respects. Right, right. So that a priest is not able to ordain, but the bishop may ordain other bishops with the permission of the Holy Father. He may ordain priests in his diocese. He may ordain men to the diaconate in his diocese. Right. So this idea, this fullness idea, is so much attached to holy orders. The uh, bishop has the fullness of the priesthood. I think we would also say that there is this charism that the bishop has for leading and governing right. to an extent that a priest would not have um, the charism is for a uh, a full and complete presentation of this fullness that is done generally in a diocese. So with that in mind, um, this is really, I think, about that word fullness, uh, complete and extent, extensive a notion of the priesthood, which the bishop has. And of course, let's not forget, too, Dr. Bergwald, that uh, when we speak about holy orders, we, as you mentioned, we think about these three grades. Right. So we have the diaconate, the priesthood, and the episcopate. The bishop has received all grades, uh, whereas the priest has received the two. Right. The deacon has received the one. So it's the notion of this fullness, this extensive and completely extended notion of the priesthood. I, just one little interesting thing that as you were speaking about the, the especially around ordination, a bishop is able to, um, by virtue of being ordained as a bishop, he can ordain men to the diaconate and priesthood, but also to the episcopacy. Yeah. Uh, so, so um, you know, maybe Bishop Swain would have gotten tired of waiting for the successor. He could have just ordained another man. As a, <laughs> actually, technically he could have, but it would have been uh, in church terms illegal. That's right. So a bishop uh, may ordain other men as bishops. He has the power to do so. Right. He does not have the authority. The authority. Without the express permission of the pope. Right. So we would say that if a bishop ordained another man as bishop without what's sometimes called the pontifical mandate, then uh, what we have left is, yes, this new bishop is truly a bishop. Right. Right. But he's not in union with Rome. Right, right. And so, as you say, we use the word illegal or in church speak, 
illicit. Illicit, yep. Um, that we still have a truly a, a new bishop here, but he's not in union with the Pope. So for a bishop, Dr. Bergwald, as we know, the key is to be ordained and to be in union. Mm-hmm. Because if a bishop is ordained as a bishop but not in union, then this harmony and unity which Christ came to bring and to preserve is very much ruptured. Right. Right. So, so again, that keyword harmony, communion, uh, there is the, we speak about in the creed the church is one holy Catholic and apostolic. Apostolic, we talked about that earlier because it's through the bishop that that's the case. The connection to the universal church around the world and the universal church throughout time, back to the beginning with Jesus and the, the 12 apostles. But it's also one holy Catholic. So, so the importance of unity and avoiding, again, technical term schism, separation within the church is something that that her pastors, our our, our bishops, our popes, um, have always been attentive to the the importance, the value, if you will, of there being visibly one flock that's not divided, that's not fractured. Yes, this I think is truly an important thing, uh, and perhaps maybe more important than ever in some respects because of the great fractures that do exist right today, and even we have seen. Uh, even in the church, that there have been times where bishops have gone ahead and ordained other men to the episcopate. That is, he has ordained other bishops, but the pontifical mandate, the papal mandate, was not present. Right. And as a result, as you say, we then have a schism, um, meaning that we have a division. It's not the union, union and communion that Christ came to bring. Right. Amen. So, Muncie, we've got about just about two minutes left. If we kind of boil this down and, and think of um, Catholics who maybe haven't really thought about um, their bishop before, whether they, they have a bishop now or like some diocese waiting a new bishop, what, what would you say to those folks? Just it's, it's Maybe they're hearing more, thinking more about their bishop for, um, for maybe for the first time. Yes. Although we have great esteem for the bishop, and we see that uh, oftentimes he lives near the cathedral, uh, he wears distinctive dress, so forth. Uh, nevertheless, he is pastor. He's a priest. And uh, I remember, I'll just end on this note, that when I was in Rome years ago, I remember for the feast of the presentation of the Lord, February 2nd, the Holy Father John Paul had come up from the front of the St. Peter's Basilica and when he got to the altar after the blessing of the candles, his cope was taken off, that big cloak. And you could see John Paul, I saw him standing in his alb. Mm. And I thought to myself, he could be the, the country priest 15 mm. miles from here. Mm. He's a priest. And similarly, a bishop is a priest who has been given a special role to play by the Holy Father and has received ordination. So I think what I would say, Dr. Bergwald, is... Priests, bishops are our priests. They are our pastors, and we can feel uh, we can feel that we can approach them. Amen. And and I would say just as as, as we uh, close. So in light of that, pray for them. Uh, they, they do have a, a, a heavy responsibility, a, an important responsibility. Now, ultimately, it's the Lord's to carry, and 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 He works through them. Um, but they have a responsibility nonetheless, just as each one of us do. Each one of us do in in the 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 areas that the Lord has called us to serve in His vineyard. So so pray for your bishops. And the last thing too, just in light of what we said, 
Bishops are middle 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 management, if you will, sort of between the home central office in Rome and our your local parish. They really are the high priest, the priest, prophet, and king of the diocese. They are our connection. They are akin to James, John, Matthew, and the other apostles. So treat them as such. Yes, and as you said beautifully, pray for them. Amen. And that will wrap up this episode of Ignition. Again, you can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org, with any questions. And, And until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.